Shalom, and I would like to welcome everybody to the Hebraic Heritage Ministries Yeshiva Discipleship Program. And in this session, we're going to be sharing on the topic, What the Rabbis Teach About the Lost Ten Tribes. In the Torah Anthology, the Twelve Prophets, Volume 1, on page 459, it will share with us that in the Torah, the story between Joseph and his brothers and the events that happened to them and their eventual reunification is a foreshadowing of the split between the northern kingdom and southern kingdom and ultimately their eventual reunification. The words from the Torah anthology specify the following. The story of Joseph and his brothers, Genesis chapters 38 through 50, is not an unfolding of chance events. Every detail stemmed from God and served his purpose. For the Almighty unfolded the deeds of the fathers as a sign for their descendants. The conflicts between Joseph and his brothers were an indication regarding the future splitting of the kingdom of Israel into the kingdom of Judah and the kingdom of Ephraim, son of Joseph. When later Joseph made himself known to his brothers, the reconciliation which ensued, Genesis chapter 45, alludes to a future time. The two kingdoms will reunite into a single dominion. Thus the Midrash teaches, and he set Judah before him to Joseph to show the way before him to Goshen. Genesis chapter 46 and verse 28. The scripture writes, the wolf and the lamb will feed together. Isaiah chapter 65 verse 25. The wolf is Benjamin and the lamb represents the ten tribes as it says, Israel is a scattered sheep. Jeremiah chapter 50 verse 17. And the lion will eat straw. Isaiah chapter 65 verse 25. The lion is Judah as it says, Judah is a lion's whelp. Judah is a lion's whelp. Genesis chapter 49 verse 9. The ox is Joseph. Isaiah 65 verse 25. As it says, let the blessing come upon the head of Joseph, his firstborn ox. Deuteronomy chapter 3 verse 17. The scripture conveys that the kingdom of Judah and the kingdom of Ephraim, son of Joseph, will eat and graze together as a single dominion. In the Art Scroll of Genesis, Volume 2, page 1922, it tells us that Joseph and Judah are two royal figures, and the conflict between them is a conflict of leadership and royalty. It says, There were two brothers, majestic royal figures among the brothers, Joseph and Judah. The conflict surrounds the blessings that was given to Judah and Joseph. Judah was given the scepter, and Joseph, through Ephraim and Manasseh, was given the birthright and the firstborn blessing. In Genesis chapter 49, verse 10, we see how the scepter is given to Judah. The scepter which is the rule and reign of kingship, shall not depart from Judah, nor a lawgiver from between his feet until Shiloh come. Shiloh is the Messiah. The Messiah is from the tribe of Judah, 
and the Messiah will rule and reign. He is the king over Israel. And unto him, that is the Messiah, shall the gathering of the people be. This is communicating to us that the Messiah will gather together the exiles of Israel, northern kingdom and southern kingdom. In First Chronicles chapter 5, verse 1 and verse 2, we are told as well that Judah is a prince and a ruler, and the birthright was given to Joseph. Now the sons of Reuben, the firstborn of Israel, for he was the firstborn, but forasmuch as he defiled his father's bed, his birthright was given unto the sons of Joseph, the son of Israel. And the genealogy is not to be reckoned after the birthright. For Judah prevailed above his brethren, and of him came the chief ruler. But the birthright was Joseph's. Back to the Art Scroll of Genesis, Volume 2, page 1922, it says, The split had taken place when the brothers rejected Joseph's dreams and his claim to leadership, even his claim to brotherhood. So we see the same today that Judah has difficult recognizing and accepting Ephraim as his brother. Joseph, uniting with his brothers, foreshadows the future redemption. From the Art Scroll of Genesis, Volume 2, page 1923, it reads, The reunion of Joseph and Judah brought about the redemption of their family from the exile of antagonism and isolation and paved the way for the growth of Israel into a great and mighty nation. The Midrash also implies that the redemption from the current last exile is foreshadowed in the Egyptian experience. Joseph's personal exile from his family is likened to the national history of the last 19 centuries. If the renewed love of those brothers is duplicated by their modern descendants, our redemption will come as did theirs. In the Sanchino Midrash Rabbah, volume 9, page 115, we're told that the tribe of Ephraim left Egypt 30 years early in the historical Egyptian redemption. And when they did, they went into the land of Canaan and were slain by the Philistines. The children of Ephraim were as archers handling the bow. Psalm 78, verse 9. Once in the days of Shathalach, the son of Ephraim, as it says, the children of Ephraim were as archers handling the bow. They reckoned that the 400 years of bondage began from the time when the decree was pronounced, when God spoke with Abraham between the pieces. But it really began... For when Isaac was born, what did they do? They assembled and went forth to battle, and many of them were slain. In the Sanchino Midrash Rabbah, volume 3, page 253, it goes on to explain, It was the Philistines who slew them, as it says, and the sons of Ephraim, Shuthalach, whom the men of Goth that were born in the land slew. First Chronicles in chapter 7 and verse 20. In looking at the two kingdoms of Ephraim and Judah, 
they historically differed ideologically and politically. In the book A Matter of Return by Raphael Eisenberg on page 129, he writes, The ten tribes consisting of Reuben, Simeon, Dan, Naphtali, Gad, Asher, Issachar, Zebulun, Ephraim, and Manasseh seceded from the tribes of Judah and Benjamin in the days of King Rehoboam, the son of King Solomon. Jeroboam, son of Nevat, reigned over the ten tribes known as the kingdom of Israel, or Ephraim, while Rehoboam remained as the ruler of the kingdom of Judah. The two groups differed not only politically, but ideologically as well. The kingdom of Judah adhered to God and his commandments, at least in an external way, while the kingdom of Israel, also called Ephraim, after the leading tribe of the secessionists, turned to idolatry and assimilation among the neighboring countries. About 721 before the Common Era, the ten tribes were exiled by the king of Assyria, who carried Israel away unto Asher and placed them in Halah and Havor by the river of Gazan and in the cities of the Mode. In the Sanchino Midrash Rabbah, volume 7, page 7, we are told how there is a disagreement regarding the order of the exile of the ten tribes. In what order were they exiled? Rabbi Eliezer said the tribes of Reuben and Gad went into exile first. Rabbi Samuel, son of Naaman, said the tribes of Zebulun and Naphtali went into exile first. The ten tribes were exiled in three different stages. From the Torah Anthology of the Twelve Prophets, Volume 2, page 117, it says, There were three exiles of the northern kingdom that came about from the Assyrian Empire. One exile is mentioned in 1 Chronicles chapter 5, verse 26, where it says, The exile of the tribes of Reuben and Gad and half the tribe of Manasseh from the other side of the Jordan River. Another exile is mentioned in 2 Kings chapter 15, verse 29, where we read about the exile of the tribes of Zebulun and Naphtali. Thus, it says that Sennacherib captured various cities in Galilee and all the land of Naphtali, and he exiled its people to Assyria. The ultimate disbursement and the taking of the Assyrians is mentioned in 2 Kings chapter 17 where it says the destruction of Samaria and its sister cities were all exiled and taken to Assyria. We have a chronology of these three stages in which the ten tribes were taken captive by the Assyrians. It's listed in the Art Scroll of the Twelve Prophets, volume 1, page 6, where it reads, The smaller kingdom of Judah comprised primarily of the tribes of Benjamin and Judah, and the kingdom of Israel in the north comprised of the remaining ten tribes. The kingdom of Israel, or the northern kingdom, was eventually destroyed by Assyria. Its populace was exiled and lost among the nations of biblical times. And in the Talmud in Sanhedrin 110b, it says that, the ten tribes will eventually return and be reunited with Judah. In this chronology of the events, it lists 
that the first stage of exile of the kingdom of Israel is from 2 Kings chapter 15 and verse 29, the taking of those of the Galilee area in the land of Naphtali. The second taking that's mentioned is the tribes of Reuben and Gad and the half-tribe of Manasseh on the other side of the Jordan River from 1 Chronicles chapter 5 and verse 26. And then the final taking, which is mentioned in 2 Kings in chapter 17. In 2 Kings chapter 15 verse 29, we have the recording of the first exile of the ten tribes by the Assyrians, as it is written. In the days of Pekah, king of Israel, came Tiglat-Pileser, king of Assyria, and he took Ehon and Abba Beit Maha and Janoah and Kadesh and Hazor and Gilead and Galilee, all the land of Naphtali, and carried them away captive to Assyria. The second exile of the ten tribes by the Assyrians is mentioned in First Chronicles chapter five, verse twenty-six. And the God of Israel stirred up the spirit of Pul, king of Assyria, and the spirit of Tiglath-Pileser king of Assyria, and he carried them away, even the Reubenites and the Gadites and the half-tribe of Manasseh, and brought them unto Halah and Habor and Harah, and to the river Gazon unto this day. And then we have the ultimate taking of the ten tribes by the Assyrians, the final taking that is found in Second Kings in chapter 17 in verses 1, 3, and 5 it is written in the twelfth year of Ahaz king of Judah began Hoshea the son of Elah to reign in Samaria over Israel nine years against him came up Shalmaneser king of Assyria and Hoshea became his servant and gave him presents then the king of Assyria came up throughout all the land and went up to Samaria and besieged it Three years. Continuing on in Second Kings chapter 17, verse 6 and verse 23, it describes the taking of the ten tribes by the Assyrians. In the ninth year of Hoshea, the king of Assyria took Samaria and carried Israel away unto Assyria and placed them in Halah and Habor by the river of Gazan and in the cities of the Medes until the Lord removed Israel out of his sight as he had said by all his servants the prophets so was Israel carried away out of their own land to Assyria unto this day. The primary reason for the exile of the twelve tribes is because they refused to follow the Torah of the God of Israel. We are told this in Second Kings chapter 17, verses 7 and 8. For so it was that the children of Israel had sinned against the Lord their God, which had brought them up out of the land of Egypt from under the hand of Pharaoh, king of Egypt, and had feared other gods, and walked in the statutes of the heathen whom the Lord cast out from before the children of Israel and of the kings of Israel, which they had made. When the Assyrians took the ten tribes captive, they took the people from the Assyrian Empire and brought them down into the land of Israel in the area of Samaria. And then they took those from the ten tribes and took them to the areas of the Assyrian Empire. In other words, they mixed them. 
And the reason why they did this is so that in ensuing generations that the children who would be born would not ultimately rise up against their takers or the Assyrians given that the children would be part Assyrian and part from the ten tribes. So we're told about this in Second Kings chapter 17, verse 24. And the king of Assyria brought men from Babylon and from Kutha and from Avah and from Hamath and from Zepharvarim and placed them in the cities of Samaria instead of the children of Israel. And they possessed Samaria and they dwelt in the cities thereof. Ultimately, in the intermarriage of these Assyrian people with those of the ten tribes who lived in the land of Israel, they were called Samaritans. In the Messianic idea in Israel by Joseph Klausner on page 186, he says, The Samaritans were descended from the Ephraimites who had intermingled more or less with the Assyrian colonists. And the Brit Hadashah or the New Testament makes mention of the Samaritans. These are descendants of the ten tribes. The southern kingdom was taken captive by the Babylonians. Second Kings chapter 24 verse 10 and verse 15 it is written, At that time the servants of Nebuchadnezzar king of Babylon came up against Jerusalem and the city was besieged. And he carried away Jehoiakim to Babylon, and the king's mother, and the king's wives, and his officers, and the mighty of the land, those carried he into captivity from Jerusalem to Babylon. Let's summarize what we've learned so far. Joseph's unification with his brothers foreshadows the unification of the ten tribes, or Ephraim, and Judah in the end of days. The tribe of Ephraim left Egypt 30 years early and were killed by the Philistines in the land of Canaan. The ten tribes, or Ephraim, were taken in captivity by the Assyrians in three stages. The Assyrians who settled some of their people where the ten tribes lived, and in their intermarriage they were called Samaritans, and the ten tribes, or Ephraim and Judah, differed religiously and politically. We're told in Isaiah chapter 9, verses 1 and 2, that the northern kingdom who walked in darkness will see a great light. Nevertheless, the dimness shall not be such as was in her vexation, when at the first he lightly afflicted the land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtali. This is talking about the siege by the Assyrians that we mention in Second Kings chapter 15, verse 29. And afterward did he more grievously afflict her by the way of the sea, beyond Jordan and Galilee of the nations. The people that walked in darkness, meaning that they didn't follow Torah, the northern kingdom, have seen a great light, that is the Messiah. They that dwell in the land of the shadow of death, that's exile, upon them the light has shined, that is redemption and the redemptive work of the Messiah. It is for the purpose of restoring the 12 tribes of Israel and to bring the northern kingdom into the restoration with Judah is the reason why the ministry of Yeshua is based in the Galilee area is because this is where the northern kingdom was initially taken. 
And so in order to bring about restoration, you got to go repair the place where the breach happened. And so because the siege happened in the Galilee area, Yeshua's ministry is going to be in the Galilee to proclaim his role and mission to bring back the northern kingdom and ultimately reunite them with Judah. Matthew chapter 4, verse 12. Now when Yeshua had heard that John was cast into prison, he departed into Galilee. One of the places where Yeshua ministered in the Galilee is the town of Capernaum. Matthew chapter 4, verse 13, it says, And leaving Nazareth, he came and dwelt in Capernaum, which is upon the seacoast in the borders of Zebulun and Naphtali. Capernaum is the Strong's number 2584 in the Greek dictionary, and the meaning of Capernaum is the village of comfort. Comfort is associated with the ingathering of the exiles, and we can see this in the prophets, and we are going to look now where comfort is associated with the God of Israel in gathering the exiles from Isaiah in chapter 40. We're going to read verses 1 and 2 and verses 10 and 11 as it is written. Comfort ye, comfort ye my people, says your God. Speak ye comfortably to Jerusalem and cry unto her that her warfare is accomplished, that her iniquity is pardoned, for she has received of the Lord's hand double for all her sins. Behold, the Lord God will come with a strong hand, and his arm shall rule for him. A strong hand, what's that an allusion to? The redemption, because that's how he brought his people out of Egypt. Behold, his reward is with him, and his work before him. What's his work? To gather the exiles of Israel. He will feed his flock like a shepherd. He shall gather the lambs with his arm and carry them in his bosom and shall gently lead those that are with young. We can see how comfort is associated with the ingathering of the exiles from Jeremiah chapter 31, verse 10, verse 13, verses 16 and 17, as it is written. Hear the word of the Lord, O ye nations, and declare it in the isles afar off and say, He that scattered Israel will gather him and keep him as a shepherd does his flock. Then shall the virgin rejoice in the dance, both young men and old men together, for I will turn their mourning into joy, and I will comfort them and make them rejoice from their sorrow. Thus says the Lord, Refrain your voice from weeping and your eyes from tears, for your work shall be rewarded, says the Lord, and they shall come again from the land of the enemy. And there is hope in your end, says the Lord, that your children will come again to their own border. The ministry of Yeshua is to gather the exiles of Israel. And he had particular emphasis on gathering the ten tribes. Matthew chapter 4, verses 14 through 16, it is written, that it might be fulfilled which is spoken by Isaiah the prophet from Isaiah in chapter 9 verses 1 and 2 the land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtali by the way of the sea beyond Jordan Galilee of the Gentiles or Galilee of the northern kingdom the people that is the ten tribes which sat in darkness or didn't follow Torah 
saw a great light, that is the Messiah. And to them which sat in the region, the shadow of death, that is the exile by the Assyrians, light is sprung up. That is the redemption that comes through Yeshua the Messiah. Matthew chapter 4, verses 18 and 19, it is written, And Yeshua, walking by the Sea of Galilee, saw two brethren, Simon, called Peter, and Andrew, his brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishers. And he said unto them, Follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. We are told in the prophets, in Jeremiah chapter 16, verses 14 and 15, that the God of Israel would send fishermen to gather the exiles of Israel. Therefore, behold, the days come, says the Lord. It will no more be said, the Lord lives that brought up the children of Israel out of the land of Egypt. But the Lord lives that brought the children of Israel from the land of the north and from all the lands where he has driven them. And I will bring them again into their own land that I gave unto their fathers. So he's talking about regathering the exiles of Israel. And in Jeremiah chapter 16, verse 16, he says, Behold, I will send for many fishers. And this is what the commissioning was of the first coming of Yeshua, is he sent out fishermen, or his disciples, to gather the exiles of Israel. And they will fish for them. You know what happens when you go fishing? Sometimes you catch a fish, and sometimes you don't. Fishing isn't going to gather all the exiles of Israel. It will catch some, but it's not going to have a full in-gathering. And they will fish for them. And after, after he sends out fishermen, he will send hunters. That's the second coming. And who in the Bible is called a hunter? Nimrod is called a hunter, and Esau is called a hunter. Nimrod represents Babylon, Babylonian system, and Esau is called a hunter. And Esau is personified today by radical Islam. And the hunters will hunt them from every mountain and from every hill and out of the holes of the rocks. So we will flee back to the land of Israel because of the things that come upon the earth which are being advanced by radical Islam, which the Bible in the end of days calls fear and terror. The exiles of Israel are called men or Adam. Yeshua said, I'm going to make you fishers of men. This is a reference to the exiles of Israel. We can see from the Art Scroll of Ezekiel on page 30, in commenting about the book of Ezekiel, it says, Throughout the book of Ezekiel, Ezekiel is called Son of Man, and the nation of Israel is called Adam, or Man. You, Israel, are men, or Adam, Ezekiel chapter 34, verse 31, and the family of Israel in its entirety are called men, or Adam, Ezekiel chapter 36, and verse 10. Let's summarize these things, which we've learned. The ministry of Yeshua was based in the Galilee, where the ten tribes were taken captive, to communicate his rule to and gather the exiles of Israel. In the Galilee, Yeshua ministered in the city of Capernaum, which means the village of comfort, because the ingathering of the exiles of Israel is associated in the prophets with Yahweh comforting his people. Yahweh gathers the exiles of Israel by sending fishers, who in the first century are the followers of Yeshua who would proclaim his role 
to ingather the exiles. And by the way, that's our calling as well. And later hunters, who as Esau or radical Islam, who through fear would cause the exiles to return to the land of Israel in the end of days. In the Art Scroll of Ezekiel, on page 109, we have a commentary regarding Ezekiel chapter 4, verse 4, where Ezekiel laid on his left side and he laid on his right side. Rashi explains that the left or the northern side symbolizes the northern kingdom or Samaria and the right or the southern side the kingdom of Judah. Thus, the family of Israel in our verse refers not to the whole congregation of Israel but to the ten tribes of Samaria when Ezekiel lied on his left side. And it says there in Ezekiel 4 that Ezekiel is to lay on his left side, and in doing so, he's to place the iniquity of the family of Israel upon it, and he shall carry their sin. But in speaking about placing the iniquity of the family of Israel upon it and carrying their sin, what appears in the Hebrew is Aleph and Tav in both places. And it's referring to that Aleph and Tav the iniquity is going to be placed upon Aleph and Tav, and Aleph and Tav is going to carry their sin. This speaks of Yeshua, who in Revelation chapter 1, verse 8, is called the Aleph in the Tav. Revelation chapter 1, verses 7 and 8, it is written, Behold, he comes with clouds, and every eye shall see him, and they also which pierced him, and all kindreds of the earth shall wail because of him. Even so, amen. I am Alpha and Omega, which is the first and last letters in the Greek alphabet, but in Hebrew it would be, I am the Aleph and the Tav, the beginning and the ending, says the Lord which is, which was, which is to come, which is the definition of Yahweh. So the Alpha and the Omega is Yahweh. He is the Almighty, or El Shaddai, from Genesis chapter 17 and verse 1. Ezekiel, who foreshadows the Messiah, carried the burden of sin and suffering. This is a symbolic act which he was performing in Ezekiel chapter 4. From the art scroll of Ezekiel in pages 109 and 110 it is written regarding you shall carry their sin. The pain and suffering which Ezekiel would endure in the course of 390 days of immobility, Ezekiel in chapter 4 verse 5 and verse 8, would atone for the sins of the people. These are the words in the commentary of Rashi. This comment interprets the verb nasha, the root of tasha in our verse, as to forgive. Indeed, we find such usage in other parts of the Bible. See especially Exodus chapter 34 and verse 7. In the art scroll of Ezekiel on page 110, the commentary continues. Radok, however, renders Shah not as relating to forgiving, but as bearing the guilt of a sin. See Exodus chapter 28, verses 42 and 43. Harav Breyer interprets the root Nasah in its original sense of carrying, being weighed down by something. The sins of Israel weighed down the prophet. And for further discussion on the concept that the suffering of a righteous man can atone for the sins of the community of Israel, see Appendix 3 of the Art Scroll of Ezekiel. So now we will read 
from Appendix 3 from the Art Scroll of Ezekiel where it explains that the suffering of a Zadik or a righteous person can atone for the sins of a nation. In commentary to Ezekiel chapter 4 verse 4, an attempt was made to explain how Ezekiel's suffering might serve to atone for the sins of his people. The thesis was advanced that the sight of the Zadiks or the righteous agony for which the people had been the cause might inspire them to true repentance. Now we need to understand the principle of community responsibility within the nation of Israel. The idea that the Zadik or the righteous suffers in lieu of the death of all or part of the community is elaborated in Sefer Hasidim or the book of the Hasidim. The passage begins with a discussion of the communal responsibility which rests on the entire nation of Israel. All Israel is responsible one for another. The sin of one is the sin of all. Thus, in his confession on Yom Kippur, the high priest declares, I have sinned together with all Israel. He says this whether or not he personally has sinned. This is in order that people come to feel a sense of love and responsibility for one another and to learn to rebuke one another. Thus, according to Sefer Hasidim, or the book of the Hasidim, God's attribute of justice seeks a punishment for the entire community, but is satisfied when it is meted out only to the Zadik, or to the righteous individual. Israel is one people. To understand this concept, we must once more revert to the idea which we have discussed throughout the commentary, the essential oneness of the congregation of Israel. See Ezekiel 3.18, Ezekiel 9.4, 14.12, and 18.2. While every individual is created in the image of God and is in himself a miniature world, God's justice can nevertheless address itself to the community of Israel as a whole. And therefore, there is shared guilt among the nation of Israel for the sins of the individuals of the nation of Israel. When the entire community is considered an indivisible unit, then indeed every individual shares guilt for the sins of every other one. Although the Zadik or the righteous cannot be said to have sinned as an individual, let me say that again, although the Zadik or the righteous person cannot be said to have sinned as an individual, nevertheless, he can be said to have sinned as part of the community. And by the same token, the suffering of the one can be seen as the suffering of the whole. Thus, Ezekiel atones for his people because the communal guilt is assigned by the pain suffered by the community through one of its indivisible components. This is the principle which is communicated for us when it speaks about why Yeshua died on the tree as it relates to ingathering the exiles of Israel in John chapter 11, verses 49 through 52, where it reads, And one of them, named Caiaphas, being the high priest that same year, said unto them, You know nothing at all nor consider that it is expedient for us that one man should die for the nation and that the whole nation perish not. 
it's this principle that a Zadik, even though he never sinned, can suffer and thus make atonement for the sins of the community or all Israel. This is associated with why Yeshua died on the tree. And this spake he not of himself, but being high priest that year, he prophesied that Yeshua would die or suffer to make atonement for the sins of that nation or Judah. And not for that nation only, not just for Judah, but that also he should gather together in one that is Ephraim and Judah. So this other nation is... Ephraim and together Ephraim and Judah are the children of God scattered abroad. Yeshua is dying on the tree to regather the exiles of Israel, but first he has to suffer pain to atone for the sins of the nation or the people. The same principle is communicated in Second Corinthians chapter five, verse twenty one. For he has made him to be sin for us that is corporate Israel, who knew no sin, that is Yeshua the Messiah individually, that we might be made corporately the righteousness of God in him. He individually is righteous, so in him we as a community can be righteous. The summary of these things that we've learned, the entire nation of Israel are one people and are responsible for each other. The sins of individuals have consequences for the entire nation of Israel. A righteous individual from the nation of Israel can suffer to atone for the sins of the entire nation. And Yeshua died on the tree being a righteous person who suffered for the sins of the nation of Israel to atone for the sins of the nation of Israel. Next, we're going to look at the judgment upon the northern kingdom, which is specifically mentioned and is the subject of the book of Hosea, as well as the restoration of the northern kingdom. Hosea, in chapter 1, verses 1 and 2, it is written, The beginning of the word of the Lord by Hosea. And the Lord said to Hosea, Go take unto you a wife of whoredoms and children of whoredoms, for the land is committed great whoredom, departing from the Lord. So he went and took Gomer, the daughter of Diblaim, which conceived and bare him a son. And three children are mentioned in Hosea chapter 1. And the names of these three children are prophetic of the judgment upon the northern kingdom. The first child is Jezreel, which means God will sow or God will scatter. Hosea chapter 1 verse 4. And the Lord said, call his name Jezreel. In the Torah anthology to the 12 prophets, volume 1, page 15, it explains how the Targum, which is a first century commentary on the scriptures, translates Jezreel as being scattered. Call his name Jezreel. Thus means that Hosea prophesied that the future exile of the ten tribes, that they would be scattered among the nations. The second child is named Lo Ruhama or No Mercy. Hosea chapter 1 verse 6. And she conceived again and bare a daughter, and God said unto him, Call her name Lo Ruhama, for I will no more have mercy upon the house of Israel, but I will utterly take them away. The third child is called Lo Ami, or Not My People. Hosea chapter 1, verses 8 and 9. Now when she had weaned Lo-Ruhamah, she conceived and bare a son. 
Then said God, call his name Lo-Ami. Lo in Hebrew is not. Am is people. Ami is my people. Call his name Lo-Ami, for you are not my people, and I will not be your God. In the Torah Anthology of the Twelve Prophets, Volume 1, page 18, and commenting to Hosea chapter 1 and verse 9, once again, according to the Targum, says Rashi that this means that the entire generation would be obliterated by merging or assimilating into the nations among whom they are banished. After giving this judgment through the names of these three children, the God of Israel then promises the restoration through the Messiah. Hosea chapter 1, verse 10. Even though he just declared that they were lo ruhama, lo ami, no mercy, not my people, yet the number of the children of Israel shall be as the sand of the sea, which cannot be measured nor numbered. And it will come to pass that in the place where it was said on them, you are not my people, where is it said that you are not my people? Right here in Hosea 1. That it will be said unto you, you are the sons of the living God. Who is the son of the living God? It is a believer in Yeshua as the Messiah and as part of his redeemed family. John chapter 1 verse 12, it is written, But as many as received him, to them gave he power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name. Then, in Hosea chapter 1 verse 11, we're told the role of the Messiah to gather together northern kingdom and southern kingdom. Then shall the children of Judah and the children of Israel be gathered together, that is the messianic redemption, and appoint themselves one head, that is the Messiah, and they shall come up out of the land for this day that the Messiah gathers the exiles of Israel. This is a great day that's called the Day of Jezreel. In the Art Scroll to the Twelve Prophets, Volume 1, page 13, in commenting about these verses, it says, Unlike the renewal in the era of the Second Temple, when the tribes of Judah and Benjamin formed the majority of the populace, the final redemption will see all the tribes of both the kingdom of Judah and that of Israel restored to their land. This is the commentary of Radak. And concerning the appointing of themselves one head, they shall all follow the leadership of the Messiah, the descendant of King David. This is what the Targums say, Rashi and Radok. Regarding the day of Jezreel, the commentary reads, All that they will endure will serve as atonement for their many sins and eventually earn them the merit of returning to the land of their fathers. And the word Jezreel here is linked to the Hebrew word for seed, which is Zerah, and Rashi renders the day of Jezreel as the day of the gathering of their seed, or in other words, the time of their redemption, that that day will be great. A summary of these things is as follows. The judgment upon the ten tribes for departing from Torah and their restoration is the subject of the book of Hosea. The names of the children born to their marriage of Hosea and Gomer foreshadow the judgment upon the ten tribes. 
The restoration, redemption of the ten tribes comes through the Messiah of Israel. And Yeshua died on the tree to gather the exiles of Israel. In the Art Scroll of Ezekiel, pages 204 and 205, we are told that the ten tribes wandered in the nations and leaving no trace of their identity or communal life. Commenting to Ezekiel chapter 12, verse 4, which reads, And ye shall bring out your implements like implements of exile by day before their eyes, and go out in the evening before their eyes as an exile exiting. He was to depict two different exiles. The first portrayed aimless wandering without indication of a specific destination, even as the northern kingdom or the ten tribes had been dragged away to unknown places, leaving no trace of communal life. In the Torah Anthology to the Twelve Prophets, Volume 1, page 131, Referring to Hosea in chapter 7, verse 8, which says, Ephraim has been mingled among the peoples, means that they have been assimilated into the nations. Or, they became like the nations, they became Gentiles. That's what assimilation means. In the book, A Matter of Return by Raphael Eisenberg, on page 137, it says that Ephraim not only was intermingled in the nations, but in doing so became defiled. The Tifereth Israel commentary explains Rabbi Eliezer's opinion that the ten tribes will rejoin the house of Judah in spite of the fact that they have been intermingled and have been defiled. In Hosea chapter 8, verses 11 and 12, we are told that the God of Israel proclaimed judgment upon the northern kingdom because they made altars to sin. Altars shall be made unto them to sin. Hosea chapter 8 verse 11. Because Ephraim has made many altars to sin, altars shall be made unto him to sin, which is not following Torah. I've written to him the great things of my Torah, but they were counted as a strange thing. We are told in Hosea chapter 9 and verse 3 that Ephraim will eat unclean things in Assyria. They shall not dwell in the Lord's land, but Ephraim shall return to Egypt, and they will eat unclean things in Assyria. And it has become convenient for Ephraim to eat unclean things in the countries where he has assimilated unto in the book, Moses in the Original Torah, by Abba Hillel Silver, published in 1961 by the Macmillan Company in New York, it says, Two distinct traditions are reflected in the historical and legal writings of the Bible. One of the northern kingdom and the other of the southern kingdom. In a sense, Israel and Judah were always two separate peoples. They were never truly united, even during the period of the United Kingdom. They parted completely after the revolution of Jeroboam in the year 933 before the Common Era. These two peoples shared a common racial origin and many ancestral memories, but their historical experiences from earliest times differed sharply.
in the Book of Redemption by Moses Nachmanides on page 9, he is going to explain that in the return from Babylon, as recorded in the Bible, in Ezra and Nehemiah, that those who primarily returned were those from the southern kingdom and a minority from the northern kingdom who had sojourned with the southern kingdom when they went to Babylon. However, the majority of the northern kingdom separated themselves from the southern kingdom. They were taken captive by the Assyrians, whereas the southern kingdom was taken captive by the Babylonians, and they were exiled separately from the southern kingdom, and thus did not return and could not return from the Babylonian captivity. So Nachmanides explains... At the second redemption, that is the redemption from the Babylonian exile, there returned to the land of Israel only a fraction of the tribes of Judah and Benjamin, which is found in Ezra chapter 1 and verse 5. In the commentary on the Torah to Leviticus on page 468 by Moses Nachmanides, he goes on to explain this point that they came up from Babylon, for only the tribes of Judah and Benjamin returned together with a small group of Levites who were with them. And the notation to this reads, For a full discussion of this important matter, that in the return from Babylon, there were small groups from the other tribes besides Judah and Benjamin, but the main bulk of them remained in their places. And hence, the words of the prophets announcing their complete return, not having been fulfilled during the second temple, will yet assuredly come to transpire in the future. This is the deeper significance of Nachmanides' expression in some of the other tribes. Some, but not all. And therefore the words of God, as spoken by the prophets, will still be fulfilled in the future when the perfect redemption will take place, as the return from Babylon did not represent the final and complete redemption, meaning the full ingathering of all the 12 tribes. So the 12 tribes have not been united today. It is a future event. It is obvious that this constitutes a major principle in our faith of Israel's future in destiny that the 12 tribes will be reunited. Thus... The ten tribes who've been assimilated in the nations and become Gentiles will be united with Judah, who is referred to as the Jewish people today. In the commentary of the Torah to Leviticus by Nachmanides on page 472, he explains the following from Deuteronomy and chapter 30 and verses 1 through 5, which explains the ingathering of the exiles of Israel in the end of days at the time of the Messianic era. Thus he said, And it shall come to pass when all these things will come upon you, the blessing and the curse. And he promised, And he will do you good and multiply you above your fathers. This being a promise to all the tribes of Israel, not only to one-sixth of them. That meaning, the tribes of Judah and Benjamin, which constitute one-sixth of the twelve tribes. Nachmanides is thus stating that the redemption from the Babylonian exile was not a complete redemption, since the return 
consisted mainly of two tribes with a small group of the other tribes. But the divine promise stated in Deuteronomy chapter 30 verse 5 refers to all the tribes of Israel. Hence, the coming redemption will be more complete than all preceding ones. In the Torah Anthology to the Twelve Prophets, volume 2, page 254, speaking about Zephaniah chapter 3 verse 20, which says, At that time I will bring you, and at that time I will assemble you, for I will make you a name renowned and a praise among all the peoples on earth when I restore your captivity before your eyes, says the Lord. At that time I will bring you, that is the ten tribes, back to their land. In the time of the second temple, you did not return to your country. But in the future redemption, I will bring you back. In the Torah Anthology, to the Twelve Prophets, Volume 2, page 411, in commenting regarding Zechariah chapter 9, verse 13, explained that a minority of the ten tribes lived and sojourned with the house of Judah in Babylon. When the Samaritan kingdom was overrun by Assyria and its people exiled, including the ten tribes, a minority of the tribe of Ephraim remained in the kingdom of Judah. Most of them were taken captive by the Assyrians and thus were separate and distinct from Judah. Continuing on in the Torah Anthology, Volume 2, page 340. In the days of the Second Temple, when only two of the tribes returned to the Holy Land, for that matter, only a select few from among those two tribes went back. See Ezra, chapter 2, and verse 64. In the future redemption, however, all the tribes will assemble in the land of Israel. In the book of redemption by Moses Nachmanides on page 30, he begins to explain in detail regarding those who came back from the Babylonian captivity in the days of Ezra and Nehemiah. He writes, It is known that during the redemption in Ezra's time, only the tribes of Judah and Benjamin, who were exiled by Nebuchadnezzar to the country of Babylon, returned to the land as it is stated in the beginning of the account of that redemption. Then rose up the heads of the fathers, houses of Judah and Benjamin, and the priests and the Levites. When they returned, it is said... Now these are the children of the province that went up out of the captivity of those that had been carried away, whom Nebuchadnezzar, the king of Babylon, had carried away unto Babylon, and that returned unto Jerusalem and Judah, every one into his city. That's Ezra chapter 2 and verse 1. When the second house of God, or the temple, was founded, it is stated, Now when the adversaries of Judah and Benjamin heard that the children of the captivity were building a temple unto the Lord, Ezra in chapter 4, verse 1. Nachmanides continues on on page 31 of the book of Redemption. Afterwards, it is written pertaining to the matter of separating from the foreign women, and they made proclamation throughout Judah and Jerusalem unto all the children of the captivity that they should gather together unto Jerusalem. This is Ezra in chapter 10, verse 7. 
as it is written, Then all the men of Judah and Benjamin gathered themselves together unto Jerusalem. When they settled in the land, it is still further written, And the princes of the people dwelt in Jerusalem. The rest of the people also cast lots to bring one of ten to dwell in Jerusalem, the holy city, and nine parts in the other cities. There is stated, and in Jerusalem dwelt certain of the children of Judah, etc., and these are the sons of Benjamin. The enumeration of the cities of their settlements corresponds to the places mentioned in the book of Joshua as the portions of Judah and Benjamin. Notwithstanding all this proof that only Judah and Benjamin ascended to the land in the period of the second temple, we nevertheless admit to the words of the sages in connection with those who entered the land in the days of Ezra. The whole congregation together was 42,303 score. Ezra chapter 2 verse 64. In exact specification, however, they total only 30,000. Where are the other 12,000? Those are the ones from the other tribes who ascended to the land. I shall now explain this matter to you. You have already learned that during the second redemption, only those who were exiled to Babylon by Nebuchadnezzar returned to the land. It was upon them that the 70 years of the Babylonian exile had been decreed. They were the tribes of Judah and Benjamin and the priests who dwelt in Jerusalem. Together, they comprised the kingdom of Judah. As it is written, when the formerly united kingdom of David and Solomon was divided, and Judah and Benjamin adhered to him. Second Chronicles chapter 11 and verse 12. That is Rehoboam, the king of Judah. And the priests and the Levites that were in all Israel presented themselves to him out of all their border. Second Chronicles chapter 11, verse 15. The kingdom of Israel, however, formed by the ten tribes, was exiled by Sennacherib, king of Assyria, just as it is written, For he rent Israel from the house of David, and they made Jeroboam the son of Nebat king, and Jeroboam drew Israel away from following the Lord. Second Kings chapter 17 and verse 21. So Israel was carried away out of their land, to Assyria unto this day. Second Kings chapter 17 and verse 23. This is proof that the entire kingdom of Israel was exiled to Assyria, although the kingdom of the house of David remained where it was until Nebuchadnezzar carried them away to Babylon. These Babylonian exiles were the tribes of Judah and Benjamin. At first glance, that which is written concerning Sennacherib, exiling the ten tribes, that there was none left but the tribe of Judah alone, appears to contradict our statement that the tribe of Benjamin too remained. However, the explanation is that the phrase the tribe of Judah is an allusion to that tribe's kingdom which consisted of the two tribes mentioned. It seems from the literal meaning of Scripture that before the captivity of the land by Sennacherib, they assembled together in the cities of Judah men from the neighboring tribes of Manasseh, Ephraim, and Simeon who were in the midst of Judah's inheritance as it is written, 
of the reign of Josiah, and they delivered the money that was brought into the house of God, which the Levites, the keepers of the door, had gathered in the hands of Manasseh and Ephraim, and of all the remnant of Israel and of Judah. Second Chronicles chapter 34 and verse 9. It is further written in all Judah and Israel that were present. This is Second Chronicles and chapter 35 and verse 18. At the observance of the Passover in Josiah's reign, previously in the days of Asa, king of Judah, long before the exile of the ten tribes, it is written, and he, Asa, gathered all Judah and Benjamin and them that sojourned with them out of Ephraim and Manasseh and out of Simeon, for they came over to him out of Israel in abundance when they saw that the eternal his God was with him. That is Second Chronicles chapter 15 and verse 9. All of this indicates that there were men of the ten tribes among Judah and Benjamin and apparently were exiled and redeemed together with them. The explanation, however, is as follows. These present ones of Ephraim, Manasseh, and Simeon, who lived in the land of Judah, or who perhaps dwelt in some of their tribe cities close to Judah, were exiled to Babylon together with Judah and Benjamin. However, they were referred to as a general group under the name of Judah, and not by the specific names of their own tribes. This is because there were among them only part of each tribe. They were counted together with those who began the journey from Babylon in the time of Ezra, but they were not enumerated by specific tribe or name. It is only that they returned in conjunction with the house of Judah and settled in the cities around Jerusalem, but there was no full redemption for their own tribes, which had been exiled to Assyria by Sennacherib. In the Book of Redemption by Nachmanides on page 34, he concludes by saying, Nevertheless, from our words, it has been explained in the redemption from Babylon, only those who were called the house of Judah returned to the land. And this was their kingdom during the second temple. However, those who were called the house of Ephraim, or the ten tribes, did remain in the Assyrian captivity to this day. No redemption or deliverance was raised for their tribes, and there were none that escaped during this redemption, as we have just explained. In other words, the ten tribes corporately are not sojourning with Judah today, and all twelve tribes today are not Judah. There were a remnant, a minority of the twelve tribes who sojourned with Judah, but the majority kept their own distinction and separation from Judah and will ultimately be regathered with Judah in the end of days. So let's summarize what we just read. The ten tribes will be assimilated into the nations of the world and lose their tribal identity. The ten tribes would not follow the Torah and eat unclean foods in the nations where they would be scattered. A minority of the ten tribes are living with the house of Judah today. There has not been a reunification of the ten tribes with Judah, and it won't happen until the end of days. In Ezekiel in chapter 11, we are told how the house of Judah will say to the ten tribes that the land of Israel belongs to them. 
Ezekiel chapter 11, verses 14 and 15. Again, the word of the Lord came unto me, saying, Son of man, your brethren, even your brethren, the men of your kindred, and all the house of Israel holy, speaking of the ten tribes, are they unto whom the inhabitants of Jerusalem, that is Judah or the Jews, have said, Get you far from the Lord, because unto us is this land given in possession. In Ezekiel chapter 11, verses 16, it is written, Therefore, thus says the Lord God, Although I have cast them far off among the heathen, that is the ten tribes, and although I have scattered them among the countries, again referring to the ten tribes, yet will I be to them as a little sanctuary in the countries where they shall come. Yeshua said, regarding him being a little sanctuary for his people, For where two or three are gathered together in my name, there am I in the midst of them. And the art scroll of Ezekiel on page 198 in commenting to Ezekiel in chapter 11 verse 16, it says, Throughout the book, the Hebrew word scatter is used as a parallel to the Hebrew word disperse. See Ezekiel chapter 12 verse 15, Ezekiel 20 verse 23, Ezekiel 22 15, Ezekiel 36 verse 19. It is only here that removed far off is used together with being dispersed. This seems to echo the slight which the dwellers of Jerusalem hurled against the exiles when they said, get far from the Lord. Although I have indeed exiled them among the nations, they are destined to be gathered from among them and to be brought back to Israel. Ezekiel in chapter 11, verse 17. In Ezekiel 11, verse 17, it is written, Therefore say, thus says the Lord God, I will even gather you from the people and assemble you out of the countries where you have been scattered, and I will give you the land of Israel. This is referring to the ten tribes who will return back to the land of Israel. In commenting to these verses in the Art Scroll of Ezekiel, pages 198 and 199, it is written, Since the entire exiled community, including the ten tribes, was the butt of Jerusalem's derision, or the house of Judah, or the Jews, it follows that the forthcoming promise of reconciliation includes them all. It says, I will assemble you from the nations. There in promising God's ultimate redemption, Moses also used these words in Deuteronomy chapter 30 and verses 3 and 4, I will assemble you from all the nations, for there shall he assemble you. Ezekiel's prophecy in this passage is the complete redemption associated with messianic times. In the Art Scroll of Ezekiel, page 199, it continues on in the commentary. See Nachmanides for a detailed analysis of which Ezekiel's prophecies were not fulfilled during the return from Babylon and must therefore be fulfilled in the time of the Messianic era. In the Art Scroll of Ezekiel, page 200, it goes on to explain that the ten tribes will return to the land of Israel in Messianic times. Ezekiel's vision in its fullness will be fulfilled only in the days of the Messiah. 
commenting to, I shall assemble you and gather you in. The Hebrew word gather in is not used again in conjunction with assemble. And I will bring Ezekiel 36.24 and 37.21. Perhaps it is used here because it has the additional connotation of to bring inside. See Deuteronomy chapter 22 and verse 2. Thus, its use would imply that far from having been rejected by Jerusalem or the Jews or the house of Judah, as the dwellers of Jerusalem had derisively claimed, the exiles would one day be brought back to the land of Israel and to the city of Jerusalem. This prophecy from Ezekiel 11 is exactly what the Jews say today is that the land of Israel was given to them, the Jews, excluding the acceptance of the ten tribes and recognizing the ten tribes being those who have assimilated into the nations of the world and would thus be regarded by Jews as being Gentiles today, understanding that Yeshua's ministry was to regather the exiles of Israel with emphasis on the northern kingdom, and many of those from the ten tribes would be followers of Yeshua today and would be thus regarded as Christians and be seen as a different religion through the eyes of Judah today. In summarizing these thoughts at the end of the message, the house of Judah will tell the ten tribes that the land of Israel belongs exclusively to them. The ten tribes will return to the land of Israel in the end of days and be unified with the house of Judah. And when this happens, the Messiah of Israel, Yeshua, will rule over a unified house of Judah and Ephraim or the ten tribes during the Messianic era. So we can see that the ten tribes were taken captive by the Assyrians. They were assimilated into the nations of the world. And in their mixture with the Assyrians in the land of Israel, they were called Samaritans. In their exile, they would not follow Torah. They would eat unclean things. And at the time of their regathering, they would not be regarded by Judah as being heirs to the land of Israel. However, the God of Israel promised that he will open up the eyes of Judah and Ephraim. They will recognize each other, and through the events of the end of days, they will ultimately be regathered back to the land of Israel. And Yeshua, the Messiah, will not only gather them through the outpouring of his Holy Spirit, but he will come and live and dwell and rule and reign over them during the Messianic era. I pray that this message has been a rich blessing to you. Remember always these words from 1 John chapter 2 and verse 6. He who says he abides in him, he who says that he's a believer in Yeshua as the Messiah, ought himself to walk even as he walked. And how did Yeshua walk? He followed Torah. And he commanded those who are followers of him that if we loved him, that we would keep his commandments. John chapter 14 and verse 15. Shalom in Yeshua the Messiah. Amen.